welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we're both getting tattoos in the tattoo parlor across the street from Max. And a Volvo just pulled up. And a supermodel just got out of it. And you're listening to Tuesdays After Twilight. What's good, TM? Haven't said that one in a while. So I have something to show Emily live. She knows a little bit about this, but I want to show her the end result. So on Sunday, uh, old roommate of the pod, Liddy and I, uh, did a, uh, a painting night, if you will, and we painted portraits of each other that were surprise portraits. And I did her in Adventure Time style because she likes Adventure Time. And she painted me in a style, and I have it now with me, and I would like to show Emily because she, she we called to do podcast edits, and I was in the middle of painting, and I couldn't see my painting. So now I can show you. I'm excited. Just got to see Paige's big, fat, juicy ass walking away from me. It's really funny you say that. Oh my god, it's the irony of that, because Paige just turned her portrait around and it's literally a face on a peach. <laughs> it turned out really great. I'm really excited to hang this up. It, yeah, it's really pretty. I'm so dead at the irony of that. You would think that we planned it. <laughs> I know, you really wowed me with that one. <laughs> I love that. Where'd y'all get that idea? Uh, you know those wine and paint? buildings that do that we thought we'd do that and then I was like we don't need to pay money to do that we don't need to go out in public to do that we can just do that at home and she was like I'm going to Michael's to get supplies (laughs) I love that how has your week been it's been pretty good really busy but you know that is what it is getting money and paying off debt and buying Pokemon cards so you know yeah I feel you on that. I feel like this is my least favorite time of year because it's like the holidays are over and there's nothing super fun, super close. So I'm just like, what's the point? (laughs) I'm having I'm having the like end of vacation feels, you know, and that's simply because my last day off that I had scheduled was last Friday. And now I don't have any other days off scheduled, like days that I would normally work that I have the day off. And I'm really sad about that. Me too. I have this coming Monday off because it's MLK Day, but I'm like, that's coming fast too. I'm like, after that, I don't know when the next one is. (laughs) I will go first on Recommendations Corner this week. And it's actually something I received as a gift from Friend of the Pod, Remy, for my birthday. It was one of those candles with stones in it. And I will be the first to say I'm not a crystal girly but it came with like a little guide of what all the different stones are for. It's just fun. I don't know. It's just fun to watch it burn and then the stones kind of like sink down as the as it melts. It's like a candle but with an extra twist. So I recommend that. What stone is your favorite so far? I don't remember what it's called, but there's like a big red one that I like. Nice. Okay. <laughs> My recommendation this corner, believe it or not. My recommendation this corner. Did you hear me say that? Oh, I thought you said my recommendations corner. Oh, maybe I did. Well, my recommendation this corner is, um, surprise. believe it or not, surprisingly, it's not food related. It's actually a documentary I watched on Hulu, and it was really good. It had me captivated. It's called God Forbid. 
It's about this huge scandal that happened in the biggest evangelical Christian college in America. Essentially, the president of the college and his wife were outed as being in a cuck relationship with a 20-year-old for like eight years, and they were financially supporting him, and he he got fucked in the end, basically. So it was kind of him telling his side of the story and kind of reclaiming what reclaiming his story to tell. But it also was a really like interesting look into like the politics of the evangelical church and like how that affected Trump getting elected. It's pretty crazy, but super interesting. It had me captivated from start to finish. I would recommend it is quite scandalous, but very interesting nonetheless. I'm definitely adding that to my list. I maybe this is bad to say, but I love a good scandal. I do. This will be right up your alley then. <laughs> Did you ever listen to that? Oh fuck. Now I'm not gonna be able to remember the name of it. But it was like this podcast about this girl who was getting catfished. What the fuck was that? Oh my god, hold up. Now I gotta look it up because it's gonna bother me. Sweet Bobby. Dude, I won't spoil it. That podcast is unhinged. Unhinged. It's like 10 episodes, I think. I didn't listen to like the last three because after they, I found out who it was, I was like. <sighs> but anyways, you should listen to it. That's what it's called, Sweet Bobby. Mm-hmm. And it's about a girl getting catfish. I, the listeners know I love a good catfish content. I know you do. I'm surprised that you haven't heard of it or listened to it. It sounds vaguely familiar. I'm sure I've been adjacent to it for some time. Perhaps I've heard it in podcast passing, but I just don't. I can't think of it off the top of my head. If you do listen to it, let us know what you think. Okay. Um, Paige has a special call out for content that we are, we are looking for from all of you. Proceed. So... I'm sure everyone can deduce that we are nearing the end of the book, the final book. So we're thinking about ways to, you know, wrap things off, tie it off with a nice little bow. And we're thinking about maybe doing some sort of like end episode, end all, tell all, if you will. Uh, Nothing too scandalous. But we're, you know, if anyone has any questions that they you know, after these four books still haven't had answered anything they want to ask us or, you know, we're going to kind of talk about our own thoughts and feelings and opinions on, you know, kind of just everything as a whole now that we've both engaged in all of the content. So if you have anything else that you want us to talk about, let us know. You can message us on any of our social medias and we, we will incorporate that into our last episode. Yes, thank you, Paige. And I feel like this goes without saying slash is pretty unlikely, but if there, if any of your questions or thoughts relate to what's happening in the very end of this book, just put like spoiler at the beginning so that Paige knows not to read it. Right. Which you all have done a great job of over these past years. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, I, I think there's only been like one or two smallish things that have gotten spoiled for me and it was all TikTok's fault. Yep, none of you. <laughs> okay. Well, 
I have to say this is like my favorite section of the book. I guess I'm starting us off with my thoughts, which is not tradition. So what did you think of chapters 33 and 34 of Breaking Dawn? I feel like we are inching towards the edge. We are on the cusp of something big. Like, it was like it felt like every page I turned was going to be when something big was going to happen and nothing insanely big happens, but I feel like I am teetering on the edge of what, it, what will be the climax of this book. And I'm thrilled. Um, I do, I do appreciate Stephanie kind of explaining a little bit of the, how, the Cullens are able to kind of like get away with things paperwork wise. I did appreciate as a girly who wants the paperwork done right. I I do like that there was an inclusion of how that is going to happen in case the reader was wondering, which I was. So that was interesting. The whole like smoke and dagger of it all seemed a little much, but not right. Um, the second chapter I mean, people are, like, realizing. People are realizing what's at stake. I can't believe, I mean, I can kind of believe it, but Alistair leaving made me a little sad. I was like, I wanted him to stick around, but I'm not surprised he didn't. He's very elusive, and he he strikes me as the, like, kind of, like, Victoria-esque in, like, escaping situations and not getting caught. So I'm not surprised he scoot-scooted out. Uh, it was interesting to hear the Romanian backstory and the fact that they're like 1500 fucking years old, like that's insane. Um, and I mean, seeing kind of like what happens when a lot of vampires are together. I mean, it gets a little explosive at times and everyone kind of standing voicing, like voicing where they align the boring people obviously aligned with nothing interesting. The interesting people aligned with the interesting people. So, you know, I did appreciate that. And I'm just, overall, I'm just very excited to read what's next. Yeah, I love that. Um, I do want to just ask a quick question. Did you mean cloak and dagger? What did I say? Smoke and dagger? I think smoke and dagger is something, isn't it? I don't, I it could be. I... Now that you're saying cloak and dagger, that does sound right. I don't know. We'll just leave this in, and that way one of us is right. <laughs> I will say one final thing before we launch into the actual material. When you see a movie before you read the book, you are more inclined to autofill the characters as the actors in the movie. When you read the book first, and then... You have to imagine what those people look like in your head. It's different. This this Scott fellow, this lawyer fellow, Jay Jenks, if you will, he should be played. If he's not played by Danny DeVito, I'm going to lose it. But you want to know what my brain was filling in as him for the entirety of the chapter? I want you to Google image Mayor from the Lorax. I actually remember this, but let me look it up just so I have the full effect. <laughs> I was picturing like a Jonah Hill type, but older. Oh my god. <laughs> this is worse than I remembered. He kind of looks like Edna Mode a little bit. 
Exactly. I, I, I cannot picture anything but this man for everything that Jay Jenks was doing. That's hilarious. Um, I don't know. I can't even remember if this part's in the movie. Straight up, I can't remember. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. I like. I feel like it would be hard to make that. Like at this point in the movie, drama is high, tensions are high. We're not gonna take away from that by going to this law office. Yeah, fair. I don't know. Maybe this isn't a hot take or an unpopular opinion, but this is really my favorite part of the book. I don't know. I just I love the vibes of it all. I love Bella dressing up hot and like getting what she wants and like. I love, like, the mystery slowly unfolding because it's so interesting when the reader and the characters both don't know what's going on. So you're just like, what's going to happen? And then, like, it is, like, obviously a little bit sad what her purpose with Jay Jenks is. But I don't know. in the three different offices, so interesting to me. I don't know. I love I love the cashmere sweater dress. I want one. I want I want more on Max. I want to know what he what's his story. I want to know what he's up to. I love I love that he knows that Bella is completely out of his league. But he gives it a shot. He's shot down immediately and he's like, nah, married. I want to know more about him. I want to be his friend. Same. The fact that he says they're always married or something along those lines. It's like you didn't have a chance before that. But I, I respect the hustle. <laughs> He, a man's got to try. You know, the, the worst she can say is no. Yeah, true. The last thing I'll say before we start going over the content is, um, I don't know if Stephanie's ever said, like, post-canon. You certainly don't find out in this book, but what has Jasper done to this man? I don't know. But the fact that he was sweating so much dabbing his forehead what has this man seen what has he had to do mr jasper i don't like that yeah it's weird that he doesn't even say mr hale like miss like i don't know it it's very weird like of all of the cullens to have such a strange relationship with jasper like of any of them, you would think that maybe, like, Carlisle, like, as the patriarch, that, like, he would have connections to set people up. Or even Al- Alice is, like, a kind of a question mark, really. Like, the fact that it's Jasper, to me, is very odd. See, that's the part I disagree about. I'm like, of course it's Jasper, because he's, like, already kind of mean. <laughs> he's not mean, but he has no problem being mean. I feel like he's one of those people who one of those vampires, I should say, who, like, truly does not see people as people. (laughs) So, Carlisle's too nice. I feel like the meme of that one guy wearing the hat, and he, like, puckers his lips, and then he's like, you know, or, it's a gif, not a meme, sorry. You know the one I'm talking about? I know the exact one that you're talking about. I won a Twitter fight with that gif one time. (laughs) Yes, yes, I remember you told me about that. Um, Yeah, I guess that's fair. I also kind of like the concept that Jasper, uh, what's the phrase, manipulated the emotions in the air to make it feel like he was really scary and angry and like you have to do this, but really he was just completely normal and Jay Jenks was manipulated into feeling that way. 
I hadn't even considered that, which is dumb bitch of me, but yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> I don't know. It also kind of matches, like you said, with his character that could be some shady dealings. I just want to know how he found out about him. I want to know, too. Like, I mean, I guess when you're kind of doing, like, black market scandalous things, you probably get connections. And if you have no concern with getting caught or, like, the fear of death, like, you can risk anything. So, you know. That's true. This has been a lingering question of me outside of this book. Like, I... Maybe this is naive of me, but I'm always like, how do people find out where to get drugs? Like, you just, how do you know who to ask? I don't know. It's just weird. I feel that immensely. As someone who partakes in the devil's lettuce, but I only started in college, I had no idea how to do these things. Thank God I had friends, just in general, but who who knew the people to talk to, because I don't even like talking to the people that I have to talk to that I know personally, let alone a stranger that I'm buying a substance from, you know? Totally. Yeah. Anyways, should we go over the plot? I suppose so. So chapter 33 forgery opens with a phone call between Charlie and Bella and Basically, Belle is just finding a way to get out of town for the day so she can go do her dirty dealings with Jay Jenks. And so she's going to bring Renesmee over to Charlie's, and Jacob is coming too. Before we continue, I do have to say, it is really, it was so cute seeing Charlie and just grandpa mode in this chapter. I do have to say, Renesmee has only been with the vampires the entire time we've seen her, like in a vampire setting. So it's hard to not picture her as this like creepy vampire baby gal. Bringing her to Charlie's house, removing her from that, seeing that she doesn't talk to him because she knows he can't handle that. And like just them having just a, a non supernatural grandfather, granddaughter relationship is just really cute. It is really cute, but it kind of made me sad that she doesn't talk to him. I kind of get it. Cause maybe it would creep him out, but I'm like, the fact that she grows so much doesn't creep you out already. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It makes me sad because they could have like a whole relationship. I mean, they have a relationship, but they could have like a deeper relationship, you know? Yeah, maybe it's one of those things where Bella knows Charlie wouldn't take the information well. And it's it's on a it's it's on a need to know basis. Right. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) I love that. Finally. Stephanie has understood her audience and how little we care about cars because she just scoots right past this new car that Bella got. We don't even get the model. We get the make. We don't get the model. And we just keep it moving. And I feel like she used a very well-known company that's like extravaganza. You know, Ferrari. I know it's expensive. You don't need to say anymore. Yeah, totally. Also, it might have just been her, like, also being tired of talking about cars, but who knows. It's like she's dug herself into a hole she didn't mean to dig herself into. Like, shit, now I gotta, now I gotta learn about nitrous. (laughs) Yeah, remember that? That That's so funny. 
Okay. So as they're driving, Jacob and Bella are kind of just talking back and forth. And this is where we get the Romanian's backstory, kind of like in a flashback. Do me a favor, Paige, and just read um, the paragraph that starts on the bottom of page 631 through, like, the rest of it. Okay. We sat still for a very long time, child, Vladimir had answered, with Stefan nodding along, but not continuing Vladimir's sentences as he often did. Contemplating our own divinity, it was a sign of our power that everything came to us. Pray, diplomats, though seeking our favor, we sat on our thrones and thought ourselves gods. We didn't notice for a long time that we were changing, almost petrifying. I suppose the Volturi did us one favor when they burned our castles. Stefan and I, at least, did not continue to petrify. Now the Volturi's eyes are filmed with dusty scum, but ours are bright. I imagine that that will give us an advantage when we gouge theirs from their sockets. <laughs> the concept of this is very strange to me. Namely because I'm like, if I was immortal, you wouldn't catch me sitting around doing nothing. I'd be doing everything. But I guess if you're 1,500 years old, you run out of things to do. Yeah, I I took this to mean, like, literally all the Volturi do all day is just sit in that round turret thing. Well, I think it's, we're meant to understand that the, top, the main three do that. Because they don't say that the guard looks like the onions skin i guess my um when i say the volturi i guess i am referring to like the three evil ones in that case yeah okay okay so then next jacob finds out that um, bella's about to go on her own little errand but that's all he finds out because bella's being very careful not to let him find out anything so that way edward can't find out and therefore arrow can't find out so she makes the excuse of going Christmas shopping and then she goes um, to the address that Alice had written on the letter that or the little note that she left. Did you understand why Alice had left that address rather than like the actual address? I I kind of figured out why later, but I reread that paragraph probably seven times trying i'll read it it's in the kind of the top ish middle of page 635 i'd memorized the appropriate maps and i had no problem finding my way to the address that didn't exist online and the one for jay jenks my next step would be jason jenks at the other address that the one alice had not given me and my brain, like, could not understand what those words meant together. I was like, I just have to keep going. But then once we got to the second location, I was like, right. She looked up the first address. It was nothing. She did her own Googling and found this address. I was like, what do you mean an address that doesn't exist? I, I couldn't understand what she was getting at. So I got it after I read farther in the chapter. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's crazy that he actually has, like, three offices. That Another one's, like, Jason Scott, right? Yes, yeah. I think that's the one that she ends up going to, because the downtown one is the nice one that she found online. Right. And I think we're meant to interpret that Alice sent her here so that she could, like, have a clue as to, like, what she was supposed to be getting from this guy. But I'm also, like, he couldn't have just written, like, passport. <laughs> 
you know, like, I just don't really get why it had to be that difficult. And I feel like I feel like Alice knew what she was doing in leaving this note specifically for Bella to find Bella alone. And she has to know that Bella is going to do these things because it has to be her. The only one that Edward can't read her mind. Why couldn't she have just said something? Like, I? why did she have to be so cryptic about it if it was just going to be for Bella? <sighs> I mean, I guess there's always the chance that, like, someone else could discover the note first and, like, it has to be cryptic for a reason. But who's to say that whoever discovered it couldn't put two and two together? Like, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would say is I guess that, like, she saw that it would work in her visions, but it's still annoying. <laughs> I, it was just, it was just to to lead me on as the, as the reader. And also, I think if Stephanie were to have provided the address, it would have meant absolutely nothing to me. Wait, what do you mean? Remember when this note was left and I was like, I I want to see the address. I want to see the clues that she's left. It would have there would have been no clues. Yeah, that's why I was so confused when you said that at the time because I was like, what would she gain from that? <laughs> anyway, I, I really wanted it to be more like problem solving or like like a mystery to solve, you know? Yeah, totally. Sorry about Malcolm. Can you go away? Um. And if she hadn't done it this way and given Bella that specific address with no clues, then we wouldn't have this fantastic scene. So here we go. Um, You know, I think it just goes without saying that you shouldn't use the word ghetto ever. Bella uses it. So let's just acknowledge that. What she's trying to say is that the address that quote unquote doesn't exist is in maybe a little bit of a rougher neighborhood. Paige and I are getting tattoos across the street. (laughs) And she observes that a guy who's kind of like loafing around is kind of like dressed really nicely. And she's like, ooh, this is this is the clue. So that turns out to be Max. And I love him, (laughs) as we've already said. Um, So they're kind of just like almost like sizing each other up because. I think Bella does a good job of not not revealing her whole ass, which is that she has no idea what she's doing. Um, and then he ends up, like, basically letting slip that she is... The typical client would be looking for, quote-unquote, papers from this Jay Jenks, Jason Scott, whatever his fucking real name is. Um, and that helps Bella figure out that she's supposed to be basically getting, like, an escape route for Renesmee. Right. I I feel like I didn't write down the exact page number, but there's a point where Max says papers and Bella then like almost very quickly after when she's heading to the other office, I want to say she says something like, I guess we're going to figure out and see what I'm supposed to do at this office. And I'm like, girl, what? I've already figured it out. What do you mean? He just said papers. I like I already see what's going on like come on let's let's get a little snappy so you automatically realized that it was like a thing for Renesmee when you read that oh yeah like it would be like like to set up I mean I thought it was gonna be with Bella included I didn't think like it would be Jake at first um 
but I immediately thought get Renesmee out because that's kind of what I thought the what was going to happen with Jay Jinks from the beginning that I thought maybe it was going to be some kind of like secret way to get her into almost like a safe house or somewhere off the grid that the Volturi couldn't find or something like that. So I was already kind of geared to think like this is to protect Renesmee. So when they said setting up papers, it's like, oh, setting up a new identity. Who needs a new identity? Probably Renesmee. Yeah, that makes sense. You did predict that right when we found out about this guy. So, yeah, you were, like, pretty close to the answer. And Bella basically says that she deduces that her and Edward are not going to be involved because, like, basically they wouldn't need IDs, which I don't know if I really agree with that. But she basically thinks, she says, I was sure IDs were something Edward knew how to get his hands on or make himself. And I was sure he knew ways to escape without them. I'm like, I feel like Jacob could do the same thing. He can literally turn into an animal, but I don't know. It, it, in doing this, it makes it a little more, I don't know. I feel like it, it there's a little more at stake, I guess. It, it, it kind of like gives it all to the reader that Bella is fully intending on not making this, making out of this alive, basically. Like, I think this really solidifies to the reader that she is preparing for the absolute worst case scenario in this situation. Right, right. Um, okay, I had skipped ahead a little bit to talk about that, but basically Max gives old Jay a call, and when he finds out that she's a Cullen, Bella's a Cullen, he fucking freaks out, which as we already said, indicates his fear of this family. Um, And then basically asks Bella to come to the third location that he's at under a different name. Anyways, um, Max shoots his shot and (laughs) doesn't work. And then Bella drives off. And I feel bad for the secretary because she gets yelled at too. Like, damn. I do. I had a huge issue with this because one, the secretary deserves better. But two, you are telling me that from the time that Max hung the phone up, Bella drives to the law office. I'm assuming it's kind of out of the way. She gets inside. That's when he decides to call the secretary and says, hey, I'm expecting this person. Send them right in. You, Dude, you had like 25 minutes to make this phone call. Are you, you're telling me you're just now making it? I don't believe it. That is a great point. Especially if it's a Cullen who you seem very nervous about. That would be like number one priority. You would think so. I think the only valid explanation could be that he literally shat his pants and had to go home and get new ones. That could be it. Okay, so um, Bella goes in and meets him and describes, as Paige said, <laughs> the mayor from the Lorax. And I do got to say, like, as someone who's dealing with in this business and is clearly afraid of this particular client or family of clients, he is, like, kind of nosy. I was, like, kind of surprised. I was like, that's gutsy of you. I'm speaking specifically of page 646. He, like, makes a comment where he's like, your daughter is very like you. And Bella says she's more like her father, who is not this man. 
he touched Jacob's face. It's like, that's bold of you to be asking these questions. I mean, I'm imagining that Renezme looks so different and like has absolutely no image or absolutely nothing like visually that she looks like Jacob. That it was just like, yeah, it was very obvious that this was not her, his daughter. But if it's that obvious, then why comment on it? That's a good point. You could keep it to yourself. And also, like, what if it was a touchy subject? Right, totally. And he seems like he wants to say something, too, when she's leaving, which, did you have any thoughts about that? I'm just like, why don't we get an answer on that? Like, why are you so nervous about this whole thing? Maybe we'll find out. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's really not, like, a huge deal, but it was interesting to me. Um, also, Stephanie is a fucking coward for not telling us how much money he wants for this. Just tell us the amount. Maybe she wanted it to be more evergreen and, like, um, resistant to inflation. <laughs> but still, I want to know. I'm sorry, but I'm going to call BS on that concept. I don't think that Stephanie knew what she was talking about. I think she was just like, let the readers put the price in their head of what they think it's worth, because I don't know. <laughs> It's like that same thing that you were talking about. Was that also from The Office? Oh, yeah, it was where Kevin was like, who broke this machine or whatever? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I do really like the concept of just opening up Bella's, like, across-the-shoulder, like, bag, and it's just filled with loose cash. <laughs> Me too. Clipped into, what'd you say, $5,000 increments. I'm like, I, I don't even think I've... Well, that's not true. I have some in savings, but I'm like, it would be, it would be one clip for me, <laughs> and that's it. It would be one of those coin rolls for me. <laughs> um, okay, so Bella asks for it to be done in a week, which she had commented earlier that their their expected date for the Volturi is in two weeks. So this gives her a little bit of wiggle room, and he asks to meet Bella at like a really nice restaurant in a week in Seattle. And then there's that moment where, I'll just read it because this is the end of this first chapter. I rose and shook his hand again. This time he didn't flinch, but he did seem to have some new worry on his mind. His mouth was pinched up, his back tense. Will you have trouble with that deadline? I asked. What? He looked up, taken off guard by my question. The deadline? Oh, no. No worries at all. I will certainly have your documents done on time. It would have been nice to have Edward here so that I would know what Jay's real worries were. I sighed. Keeping secrets... Okay, I don't care about that part. <laughs> That's Bella being soft about Edward, so whatever. <laughs> Did you have anything from this chapter that we skipped? I guess my only thought is, is that... I mean, do you think that Jasper or Alice told this guy that Bella was going to show up? Or do you think this took him all by surprise? Based on his reaction, I think it took him by surprise. The way I have always interpreted it, and I don't... The way I've always interpreted it is that, like, Jasper has used his services in the past. Okay. Because, so I had originally kind of thought, going into this chapter, that Alice had arranged for something. That he would be expecting her call, basically. And when we get the the back or like the front end, I guess, of the phone calls between first Max and him. 
and then followed by the discussion between the receptionist and him. To me, it felt like he knew exactly who she was and like he was expecting her. But then, like you said, the rest of the conversation doesn't feel that way. So like his hesitation to me, like may I thought maybe like it was possible Alice maybe filled him in on what the situation was. And like maybe she told him some kind of outcome that dis- goes against what Bella is asking for in this situation and maybe he's like do do they really need these documents like I wasn't I wasn't anticipating what she's asking for but if he if him and Allison have any conversation then like that theory is negated yeah I mean I just feel like that's not the way that Jasper would do business like I feel like he gives this man as little um details about his life as possible you know what I mean I just feel like the Collins have probably had reason to use this before yeah no that makes sense i i'm just i'm really i'm trying to think of what he knows what what why are you so nervous buster why are you sweating so much and what 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 is that spongebob he's like why are you sweating so much and why are your hands behind your back (laughs) (laughs) what episode is that i'm trying to think it's when squidward breaks he he breaks into the krabby patty (laughs) vault yes They'll go straight to your thighs, and then you'll explode. (laughs) I recently, I know it because I recently watched that scene with Jacob because he made a face identical to that one that Spongebob makes where he's like, his eyes all squinch up and he's like, I know something you don't, or whatever. I do have to say that episode, I think, put an unrealistic concept of food in my head because when I was a kid, I would have given you every dollar I had to be put in that fucking Krabby Patty vault. I wanted to I wanted to be buried in that Krabby Patty vault. I wanted to eat all of those patties. They look so fucking good. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I feel like it's relatable, too. With that episode where with the magic conch, which you were just talking about, when Patrick basically enables an entire picnic table's worth of food and materials was aspirational to me. The chicken especially, I wanted to eat it so bad. Me too, it was steaming. (laughs) Okay, so there's a tad bit of a time jump. The next chapter starts with Bella, Jacob, and Renesmee getting back to the Colton's house after their little day trip. And Bella does, did end up getting a little Christmas present for Renesmee to like kind of cover for what she was doing all day. Paige is shaking her head, why? Choking hazard. You don't give jewelry on necklaces to babies. She's like 12. Well, not to me. (laughs) As you may have deduced, in case you didn't know, (laughs) Bella got her a locket. And it has a French inscription inside that means more than my own life, which makes Edward very sad because it's just a reminder of their impending doom, I feel like. I... Yeah, I guess that's valid. I thought you were going to say it made him sad because, like, he he would think, like, no, Bella, you're the most important part. And then I was going to be like, Edward, that's what every mother views their child as, like, more important than their own life. Like, get over it. But you're right. It is about their own impending doom. <laughs> yeah, but also with Edward, I wouldn't put it past him to say some shit like that. 
Isn't there, didn't we talk about a time when they were like, um, oh, it was when they were in the sun for the first time, and Bella was commenting on how pretty Renesmee looked, and then Edward was like, but not as pretty as you. It's like, okay. He, he is just, he is just a stinky little goober. I was going to say simp. Same thing. Okay, so Bella kind of does another little time jump. Um, She's basically telling us, the reader, that she doesn't really have hope for her own survival. She has a little bit of hope for Jacob and Renesmee since Alice had gone to all the trouble to kind of set up this lifeline for them, or like have Bella set up this lifeline for them. And then she does briefly think about the afterlife. She says... I wondered idly now and then if there would be anything for us on the other side. I knew Edward didn't really believe so, but Carlyle did. I couldn't imagine it myself. On the other hand, I couldn't imagine Edward not existing somehow, somewhere. If we could be together in any place, then that was a happy ending. Kind of sad. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, it's all you can hope for. Because if you're, if you know in your heart that you're facing impending doom... I guess the one thing that can maybe keep you going is the thought that perhaps there's an afterlife where you guys could be together because it seems like the future on Earth is bleak. Yeah. I did think of something that I wanted to bring up from the last chapter, and I'm it's really not that important, but did you roll your eyes when she picked the last name Wolf for them? I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> I rolled my eyes so fucking hard. <laughs> it was pretty on the nose, I'll say. Um, Vanessa also is just like, I don't know, I can't picture a baby named Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, but there are, there have been babies named Vanessa. That's the thing about, like, all the Georges in the world. I'm like, you were once a baby. I can kind of, a, I can kind of picture a baby named George. I cannot picture a baby named Gertrude. Yeah, George was a bad example. Gertrude is good. Or maybe, like, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to all the Richards out there. Sorry, Dick. We just lost, like, three listeners. (laughs) Okay, so then it's Christmas, and Edward, Renesmee, Jacob, and Bella all all go see Charlie for Christmas, and then Jacob's entire pack is there and so are Sam, Emily, and Sue Clearwater. Um, Edward hooked it up and got Renesmee a fucking iPod touch, basically. Like, that's not what she says, but it is. That's what it is. Again, not a gift for a baby! (laughs) What are you picturing is the first song that Renesmee bought on iTunes? Um, See You Again by Miley Cyrus. I don't know if that timeline matches up, but it just makes sense to me. I don't know if this is the exact name of the song, but I'm picturing, wake me up, wake me up, and I can't wake up, wake me up, and save me. That one by Evanescence. Yeah, what is that one called? Oh, Bring Me to Life. Yes. <laughs> me and Rami did that at karaoke one time at Tracks, and we brought down the house. Just gotta say. Hell yeah, I love that. The bartenders literally were like, you guys want free drinks? <laughs> We were like, okay. <laughs> it's what the Lord intended. 
<laughs> okay. Um, you know, Bella tries to be present in the moment, but it's pretty tough because she knows she's about to die. And also, she doesn't say goodbye to Charlie, even though she once again, for the second time in this book, is like, I guess this is the last time I'll see him. I cannot handle that. I was rattled by it. I mean, it's not surprising. Bella is consistent. But he deserves better. He deserves better. He's literally doing so much to keep you in his life. He was begging to see you on the phone earlier last chapter. This man deserves better. I know, it hurts my heart. You want to know what else hurts my heart? I can't skip over it. And I hate to have to even say the words. But Jacob fucking got Renesme a promise ring. I'm going to vault into the sun. That part did not need to be included. No. But since I had to read it, all of you have to know about it. (laughs) You know what it could have been? He could have made the same bracelet that he made Bella, but a tiny version of it so that they could have a mom and daughter bracelet. That would have been super cute, but no. Okay. So they get back to the Cullen house on Christmas, and it's clear that there is a fight going on. And so they go in, and it turns out the fight is between basically Amun and Benjamin. Um, So the impetus is that Alistair left, which Paige already mentioned, because he said, like, it's too dangerous for him to be here. He'll be implicated, and he'll be killed along with the Cullens. And Amun is like, I'm leaving too. Come on, Benjamin. And Benjamin's like, I have free will. So, yeah. (laughs) That is kind of the crux of it all. I will say, though, I kind of see the argument that's made for the people who don't want to stand. Like, yeah, I think the Volturi will see what they want to see and to get the outcome they want. Like, that kind of seems obvious to me. Like, I could 100% see them doing that. Absolutely. And I know... Yeah, I totally support that. And I know that not everyone was there for the conversation that we witnessed with Eleazar about, like, Arrow basically cherry-picking who he wants. But I feel like they're, like, vampires are not stupid. Like, if you're one of those nomads and you don't have any special powers, girl. (laughs) (laughs) There's a moment where Peter and Charlotte say that they haven't decided. So basically this turns into everyone... Except the Brazilian coven. I noticed that they were not included in this. But anyways, it turns into everyone declaring whether or not they are going to stand with the Colons if it comes to a fight. And Amun and Kebby leave, but not like permanently. They're still planning to show up, but they're not. They're definitely not going to fight. Benjamin and Tia are going to fight. Anyways, the point that I was getting at is that Peter says we haven't decided and Charlotte like makes a face like, oh, you haven't decided. And Bella's like, "Hmm, I wonder what she what she's thinking. My vote is that she's like, fuck no. (laughs) Yeah, that was to me. That to me was like, honey, get the fucking car keys. We're out of (laughs) here. Totally. Yeah. Um. 
it's no surprise to anyone that Vladimir and Stefan are like, we literally have been waiting for this. There's a moment with Garrett, and I'm curious to see how you interpreted this. Page 659. Garrett says, this won't be the first time I've fought to keep myself from a king's rule. Here's to freedom from oppression. What did you think about that? I didn't really put too much thought into it. I kind of just figured this was some sort of squabble from a past, I don't know, encounter in his travels, you know? I'm being, I could see someone, someone in power finding a vampire and maybe wanting to subjugate them in some way, whether that, that person be supernatural or not. I mean, we clearly see here that there are different covens that want like more people, more power. So it didn't seem outlandish that there was some sort of king or ruler in a past time that wanted to use whatever he has for their own gain. So I didn't really put too much thought into it. Um, it sounded like an interesting thing that I wanted more information on, but since it wasn't given in this chapter, I kind of, you know, scooted on by. Yeah. Yeah, I was asking because I feel like Stephanie kind of thought that she made it obvious, but obviously she didn't because you didn't gather what you were supposed to gather. But I distinctly remember reading Garrett's backstory and he was like, I don't remember the exact details, so some of this might be a little bit off, but basically he was of the time of the American Revolution. And I think he got like turned during that, but he was like one of the fighters for the American Revolution. Interesting. Okay, cool. So he, you know that motherfucker was at the Boston Tea Party just spilling that shit. <laughs> I was going to say, you think he likes spilling tea? <laughs> okay, so Tanya and the Denali's obviously are going to fight. We already talked about Peter and Charlotte. Randall and Mary also said they haven't decided. I love that Jacob says, like, we're going to fight. Like, no one asked you. <laughs> like, bitch, duh. Bitch, duh. Yeah, totally. And I think that the reason that the Brazilians, like, we don't get around to them is because Siobhan kind of puts a stop to this whole, like, why are we all going around and saying what we're going to do? Because she's like, I don't want, like, I really don't want it to get to this point. And then there's another reference to how Carlisle believes that she has a um, a talent to basically manifest what she wants, which the Instagram girlies would love that. But um, she personally does not think that she has that talent. I did like when when the bit with Siobhan kind of popped up that Maggie was like, I'm going to stand with Carlisle because the truth is on his side because her superpower is knowing the truth. And I'm like, that's like the equivalent of like someone with like ice powers being like, I'll stand by your side so we can freeze the competition. Like, it's just like wordplay with their superpower. Like, I don't know. I was just like corny. <laughs> yeah, it was giving Saturday morning cartoons for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the end of that. And then Edward, Renesme, Jacob, and Bella all go out to hunt. And while they're out, Bella has this realization that we actually talked about right when we found out about Renesme's power, which is that her power works on Bella when no other mind powers work on Bella. And I had honestly forgotten that they even had this conversation, but I remember being like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so. I know it did. I did really appreciate that they included this because after you 
brought it to my attention, I was like, yeah, that's a good question. It shouldn't work. And I feel like Stephanie was like, oh, this is a beautiful scene between Bella and Renesmee and types it out. And then she's like, wait a second. Oh, no. Oh, no. Backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. (laughs) Yes, totally. So this is her backtracking. And basically, Edward has already thought about it. So he offers up two theories. Um, The first is that because Renesmee is genetically half Bella, um, their like minds work on kind of like the same frequency. He doesn't really think that that's that um, likely. The other theory that he has is that it's basically the inverse of Bella's talent. She keeps everyone out and no one keeps Renesmee out. What did you think of either of those theories? The first theory I think is so funny because when I was predicting how I thought it worked. I was like, well, my one theory is that she loves her so much and the power of love allows the visions to come through. And then you just laughed and I was like, is that true? And you were like, no. (laughs) And it's so funny because when Edward gives his whole spiel about that they're on the same frequency, um, Bella just says like very bluntly, like, I don't know about that. Or like, that I didn't think that. She says this didn't work for me. <laughs> yes, it was very blunt, and I loved it. Um, so I did actually. I thought the second concept was co- it was a cool thought, in my opinion. You know, we've seen at least in Midnight Sun that there is some genetics that play into how powers manifest. If we look at Charlie and Renee and how Bella turned out, you know. So I I think it I think it's a cool concept that to have two powerful beings create an offspring that is like a mirror it's I I think it's a really cool concept Me too and I definitely lean toward that theory more than the other for sure So yeah <laughs> This is another really anticlimactic end to a chapter from Stephanie. Um, Will you just read the rest of that last page from, and if she can get into your head, this is Edward speaking. And if she can get into your head, I doubt there's a shield on the planet who could keep her at bay. That will help. From what we've seen, no one can doubt the truth of her thoughts once they've allowed her to show them. And I think no one can keep her from showing them if she gets close enough. If Arrow allows her to explain, I shudder to think of Renesme so close to Arrow's greedy, milky eyes. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, he said, rubbing my tight shoulders. At least there's nothing that can stop him from seeing the truth. But is the truth enough to stop him? I murmured. For that, Edward had no answer. Dun, dun, dun. And that's kind of where I'm standing with this whole thing. Like, I genuinely think that Arrow doesn't give a fuck. He wants what he wants. And whether it's right or wrong, he's going to try and get what he thinks he deserves. That's interesting. I guess we'll see. Mayhaps next week, mayhaps not. Next week is our last episode with two chapters. So we're doing chapters 35 and 36. Deadline and Bloodlust. What are your predictions, Paige? Well, Deadline to me 
I feel like we we're gonna know when they're showing up. Like they'll be watching the news one morning and I'll be like, first snowfall of the winter is gonna be on Friday. And so they know they have a deadline to like get all the training in. Bella has to get her plan in place, you know, like I, I think there's gonna be a lot of like last minute getting things together. Bloodlust might be perhaps pre- the preparation before the big event, you know, like it's remember the preparation before the battle in Eclipse when Bella's like walking through the woods, putting her scent, like perhaps it's going to be something like that. Or even like the beginning before um, in Brie Tanner, when they're all the newborns are kind of like preparing themselves to fight and there's this bloodlust. So I think that it's not necessarily going to be the climax, but it's going to be like right before the Volturi show up. All right. I love it. We've done it again. I did want to ask you why the newscaster in your little interpretation there was a ghost. Because <laughs> the way you said, like, the first snowfall of the winter was, like, so ghostly. Well, I'm picturing that, like, here's the setting. Everyone is jovial at the Cullen house. As jovial as you can be in the Cullen house. And then Bella turns and time altogether stops because she hears the words on the the tv screen it's as if it's in slow motion first snowfall of winter on friday you know like it just seems dramatic (laughs) okay i like it it's a fun mental image (laughs) all right it's my week to do socials So as Paige mentioned, we would love to have any of your final questions or just any of your thoughts, reactions, literally anything. You can contact us in a variety of ways. We are on Tumblr and Instagram at Tuesdays are for Twilight. We are on Twitter at Taft Pod, T-A-F-T Pod. We also love to get emails. You can email us at Tuesdays are for Twilight at gmail.com. We're looking at our... um, Watch Party for Breaking Dawn being around the last week of February. We don't have any solid dates yet, but if you're wanting to join that, it is a patrons and donors only event. So you can be a part of that by either supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight, or we encourage you to check out the Quileutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground, educate yourself on kind of what they're doing and their culture and also, if you donate to them, you will also be let into our patrons and donors only event. Um, and all of their information is at mthg.org. Letter rip, page. I have prepared a fun fact for the listeners this week. Um, it, this is for the vegetarian and vegan homies out there. I learned this on... I don't remember, some social media, maybe TikTok. But I know you're not a chickpea fan, Emily, but have you, do, do you ever cook with them? Do you ever incorporate them into your diet? I have a recipe that I use chickpea flour for, but if they're in the bean form, I can't. So if if you ever crack open a can of chickpeas and you're draining the liquid out, I noticed this from the get-go when I started to incorporate chickpeas into my diets more that the the like solution that they're in is a different texture than other canned beans or canned vegetables. 
And I didn't really think anything of it because I was just like, whatever, different food, different, whatever, different liquid. But I found out that the liquid that's used for canning chickpeas is its like own thing. It's it's, you know, like I think salt water, but it mixes with the chickpeas to make this like compound or whatever. And it can be used as a replacement for egg whites in dishes. So like if you're trying to make a dish with egg whites and you want it to be vegan, you can use the liquid from a can of chickpeas. That is astounding. Science is truly amazing. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what it is. Like, I don't I don't know if they use like chemicals or something, but I've heard that like you can whip it up and it like turns into meringue or you can use it in like baking and stuff. Damn. My stance has always been the chemicals in my food is none of my business. <laughs> so I do love this fun fact. I look, I said this the other night and I stand by it. I never asked to be born, but I will say thank you that I was born when food tasted the best. If I'm eating freaking red dye 40 mixed with chemicals, but it tastes like hot Cheetos with lemon, so be it. So be it indeed. We will see y'all next week for another two chapters of Breaking Dawn. Bye, y'all. Bye. The way you pronounce lemon. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Mm-hmm.